0: The Old Testament reading for this morning is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: The epistle reading is found in 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, starting with verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself
1: Thanks be to God. Rise for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The text for our meditation today is from the Epistle reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, especially these words. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's a little bit of a paradoxical aspect to this reading from 2nd Corinthians. It's a a sense of the now and the not yet that we talk about sometimes something that is true now and yet not completely fulfilled. As Paul says we are reconciled to Christ. And yet Paul implores us to be reconciled. We both have and we need what Christ gives. The act of reconciling, uh, of course, as you know, is uh, bringing two things back together, back into harmony. Somehow they had become separated, estranged from one another, and maybe you've experienced that in your life, maybe with someone else, some, somebody that you have become estranged from, somebody that you cared about. Sometimes a married couple experiences deep conflict that requires hard work before the two can come back together. Nations at war might sit down and negotiate a peaceful settlement of hostilities. But I wonder sometimes whether that ever really brings true reconciliation, true peace between the two. It's hard to believe that you could negotiate a settlement and have peace, real peace and reconciliation at least, between Ukraine and Russia today. True reconciliation is a beautiful and wonderful thing. That instead of conflict, you have peace. Instead of separation, you have harmony, unity. Instead of hurt and disharmony, you have the renewal of a loving relationship. Very often it means that the two sides have to give something up so that they can come and meet together in the middle. Both give up their pride, both give up their need to be right, and they make peace. And maybe you've been blessed to have experienced that sort of reconciliation with someone. And actually, I guess we could say you have, because we are reconciled with God now, because Christ has given himself as the peace offering between God and man. Christ became the spotless lamb whose sacrifice paid the price that our sin our sinful rebellion deserved. We didn't give anything up in that. Paul says all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. God did the reconciling. God reconciled us to himself. We didn't come to a bargaining table In fact our backs were still turned towards God in rebellion when Jesus' own back was bearing the cross through the streets of Jerusalem. Paul says in Romans that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. And in this season of Lent we do well to remember this paradox that God has reconciled himself to us in Christ and at the same time calls us to be reconciled to God. That is, he calls us to repent and to listen to his word, his word about Christ, to receive the forgiveness of our sins through holy absolution and the supper because these are the seals of God's peace with you. Alongside these, of course, is holy baptism by which you have been created anew in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that the apostles have been given the ministry of reconciliation, the, the holy ministry, the work that pastors do to preach the gospel and to administer the sacraments. The moment we think that we don't need these gifts, we are thrusting ourselves away from the, from the reconciliation of God. The same way that a, a husband uh, who is reconciled maybe to his wife then begins to treat her shamefully and is, is showing that he doesn't value her, that he is rejecting the marriage all over again, that he wants no part of it. We have indeed received life and forgiveness in Christ, but we should not think that we do not need to hear about it anymore. Or maybe we can spend our days far from the gospel and the supper. Do we think that God will honor such a disdain for his reconciliation? Do we think that God will ignore it if we do not value his son's suffering or if we scorn his son's saving work? So be reconciled to God. As you have received the word of reconciliation, so continue to receive it. Repent continually, as continually you sin. Your sins are truly great, as are mine, and the sins of all people. Flee to this gospel, this good news, by which God announces that our sins are atoned for in his Son's precious blood. And the atonement is this. God made him to be sin who knew no sin. The sinless Son of God was made to be all the sin of all the world. The man who knew no sin, of course, was Christ. He was perfect in every way from his sinless words to the deepest thoughts of his mind to the pure emotions of his heart. Not once did he fail to keep God's commandments. Not once did he turn his back on his Heavenly Father. That's hard to imagine. Our lives are so immersed, so saturated with sin. How could a man, a real man, have none at all? Not even a wrong thought or a selfish desire, it just doesn't seem possible. And it's true that by the strength that is in us, in every person that we've ever met, it's impossible to live such a sinful, uh, such a sinless life. But that is precisely what this one man, Jesus Christ, accomplished. He was born of the Virgin Mary and without the tiniest taint of iniquity He lived thirty-three years without a single slip-up or stumble. Wherever and whenever he should have avoided evil, he did. And wherever and whenever he should have done good, he did that too. Every aspect of his life was perfect and pure. And yet he submitted to the worst thing imaginable. He submitted to having the sins of the world placed on himself. We can hardly get our minds around this fact. The guilt and the punishment and the torment of every single sin, every act of disobedience in history was laid on his shoulders. He became the one that was immersed and saturated with sin. More so than any person, more so even than we, Christ became the greatest sinner ever not that he ever did anything wrong but that he was loaded up with every wrong act of history this is why St. Paul can say he became sin for us Christ took all sin every sin in history was located in his body on the cross of Calvary all sin was there when the son of man laid his life down for you and for me We didn't come and meet God halfway. We didn't negotiate. There weren't concessions on both sides. We didn't give anything up. God in Christ gave it all. The realization of what Christ has done is more than we can take in or understand in our entire lifetime. The immensity of his sacrifice exceeds us. In the lifetime to come, I think, we'll see far more, we'll comprehend how immeasurably vast was the payment that was paid to purchase us, to reconcile us to God. And Jesus tells this parable, he gives this illustration of reconciliation in the prodigal son. The son spends his father's entire uh, inheritance, his inheritance wastefully. And when he returns home, his hope is to earn the barest of livings. He's just a servant, a slave in the house of his father. He knows he can no longer be a son because of the way that he has acted. But the prodigal is not prepared for the immensity of the father's love. The boy has nothing to give, no way to reconcile himself to his father. The father gives everything to welcome the boy back, to welcome him back as a son in the house. The boy was expecting conflict, but the father brought peace. The boy expected servanthood and separation, but the father welcomed him as a son, fully restored to a loving relationship. Our reading from Isaiah this morning says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. God has come to us in His Son, in Jesus, has come among us sinners. And Jesus tells His parable of the prodigal son because the scribes and the Pharisees are grumbling because Jesus is associating with sinners, tax collectors and prostitutes and others. And He's even eating with them, of all things. God comes right in among us sinners and bears our sins to the cross. He came for one purpose and that purpose was to reconcile us to the Father. And now we are new creations in Christ. Now we are the righteousness of God. The holiness of God's Son covers you like a white robe placed on you at your baptism. When the Lord looks at you he sees the righteousness equal to the righteousness of Christ. And you have received this righteousness as a gift credited to you, the obedience of Jesus accounted to you. And so you are sons and daughters of God in the image of the Son of God. You have eternal life even now and will enter into everlasting joy at the coming of the new heaven and the new earth. In fact, you already represent the new heaven and the new earth because you are part of the new creation. You are not part of the old order, part of sin and death and hell. No, instead you belong to God and you belong to life. You have in you the seeds of the deathless creation that is to come because death was swallowed up for you by Christ on the cross his resurrection shows that this is most certainly true. And Satan and all the demons of hell can't take it away from you. May God's Holy Spirit increase in us the peace and the joy of the reconciliation that we have received. And as children of our Heavenly Father, may we live lives fitting the new creation and not the old. And he will keep us in this joy and faith to life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.